What is up? What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Jackson and the Kid. I, of course, am the Kid, and I am joined here, um, you know, in a little bit of a different scenario. Um, usually, we are face-to-face. We're trying out this um, this new recording from afar. So, I am the Kid. Um, Jackson, you can let yourself be heard, because that man right over there is Jackson, and this would be incomplete without Jackson. So, Jackson, Word what's up, up my man? Word up, word up, KC. Hey, look, man, I'm, I'm, I'm dropping the E on the explicitive um, rating for us real quick. We got a lot of shit going on today. Like, holy Dude. crap, man. Right? Like, I, 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 I did not wake up. <laughs> I, I did not wake up expecting um, for all this to happen. And um, luckily, I was just on my lunch at work whenever it went down, so I was able to drop it to you guys. But, like, golly. Well, did you kind of have the feeling that maybe it was headed in this direction after those comments you made last night? I had a feeling that something was going to happen. I didn't know. I just, I don't know if I expected it to happen today. You know, I, I, um, I thought maybe they would just kind of, I don't know, man, you know how teams go, uh, shit hits the fan at the beginning of the season, even more so than it does in the off season or the, the postseason before. And, and if something ever does happen, they, um, They'll wait to like the trade. You, you know what I mean? Big trades don't happen during the season. They just don't, or they rarely do. And I just, I guess I just, I was surprised. I think his, I think his team and the organization itself got tired of the bullshit. I think they're just over it. I think they're ready to move past it and have, you know, they've got a new coach. They've got a new general manager. They've got so many other new things happening that you don't need that level of distraction on a daily basis, especially from a guy who just has made it very clear. He doesn't want to be a part of the team. I mean, he comes in uh, after having spent his off season in strip clubs and overweight and not committed. I, I, at what point is it, you know, you cut your loss and you say, let's just move on. And if this is how you cut your loss, I, I don't, I don't know that they didn't do a pretty good job of, of uh, you know, making sure they got the best end of the deal. It looks to me like they probably did. Yeah, and you know, I didn't really realize, I guess, um, how really just how much he just didn't care anymore. Uh, you know, you, you you bring up the fact that he was overweight, out of shape. Um, I guess I just really didn't. Uh, notice or realize that until I saw these pictures recently of him in like pregame and I'm like whoa like man and I know we we poke fun at him and stuff like that in this you know last season but it was extremely prevalent and uh, you know I've, I'm Chad you and I have both been people that uh, eventually don't care about something that we're a part of just because we aren't whether we feel we're treated fair and if that's fair or not doesn't matter if we feel like we're not treated fairly in something and we just lose interest in something, you eventually stop caring as much. And you can definitely tell that's what James Harden did with the Houston Rockets. Yeah. I think that's really well said. I mean, and, and, you know, you, you, it's hard to put yourself in these guys shoes because by God, we're nowhere near the level of talent, but with, with, with that level of talent, and being the face of a franchise comes some responsibility that you just have to shoulder on a night to night basis. And it looked like he had that part of the, the responsibility had run its course. 
and he was no longer willing to do those things that uh, he had done. He, he clearly was not focused and the effort was not the same. I felt sorry for the Rockets as growing up a Rockets fan and, and loving Hakeem and, and all of those teams. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a, a, a season of suffering for Houston and all their pro sports have had serious, serious problems, issues from on-field to management to um, name it. You know, so this was just the latest in that. But Harden looked clearly disinterested, looked like he didn't want to be a teammate anymore. And at that point, when a player and, you know, it's it's one of those things that when a player says he doesn't want to be there and, and makes it very clear by his on court performance and not showing up prepared and and doing all the things that divide your locker room, it's over. You got to You got to cut bait. And I think they in cutting bait found the best way to do so because look, Victor Oladipo can play. And I, I don't think anybody has any questions about that. It's just a matter of him rounding himself back into shape after injury. This team did a very nice job. I, we were joking earlier. I mean, I feel like they probably should have had a ski mask on. I feel like they, they robbed fools in this. Yeah, no, I agree. And you know what? I don't know, man. Uh, I, and you, I, I love that you brought up some of those old uh, Rockets teams because, funny enough, Chad. You know, we always poke fun at at our uh, our age difference. But um, even though I, I was only born in the mid '90s, I was actually born the year uh, the Rockets won their second straight championship in the mid '90s. And um, Clutch City, baby. That's right, Clutch City, and. Uh, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I am an avid lover. I'm a huge Kobe guy, and I do love some great guards and some great forwards. Uh, like, I, I love the glove, Gary Payton. It's my favorite point guard of all time. Kobe is my favorite two of all time, and so on and so forth. And Oaktown, baby, Oaktown, GP. That's right, that's right. And, uh, hey, he is one of the big reasons I became a Sonics fan that now, now has brought me to an OK, to be an OKC Thunder fan. But I got to tell you, Chad, if if the um, I'm hearing rumblings, I'm hearing rumblings that uh, Seattle's making a push to get their team back in. I, I love OKC and I love our history and what we've done so far. But if if the Sonics are back, I, I got to go back to the Sonics. But that's neither here nor there. Well, I like that. I like the understanding now that the uh, of the lineage and tracing the lineage from GP to OKC. I didn't know that was really the the genesis and the roots of it. I like that a lot because uh, I'm also a big glove fan going back to his, his high school roots in o Oakland. Uh, one of the, the premier playground legends in Oakland. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I honor that. Well, isn't he, if, and I might be 100% mistaken, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure I heard somewhere that he's one of the only He's one of the only guards other than like Michael Jordan to win uh, defensive player of the year. Maybe the only point guard or something like that. It's something crazy uh, like that. I'm going to throw out a name that, that I'm not sure I'm right, but Alvin Robertson who played for San Antonio. Yeah. Was, was a guy who, when I watched him, I was like, as a point guard, that guy would freak me out. If I had to have him guarding me for 48 minutes, I would, just probably crap my pants because he was <laughs> he was 
pre-Gary Payton, but a defensive guy who who he was in your shorts for the whole game and and also a great facilitator, not a great shooter, not a great scorer, but a leader on those first teams that weren't great, but he was one of those guys that was just a nightmare if you had that assignment that night. It's like, Coach, I think my ankle's tweaked. I can't play. Huh. Yeah. Well, see, and, you know, so going back to, to the glove, um, you know, I initially became an OKC fan or a, a Sonics fan because when I, when I became a basketball fan, um, and I forget what the other team was, but I, I, I was looking at some of the, the worst teams in the league, and uh, I, was, I was looking at those teams. It might have even been the Trailblazers. I think it was between the Trailblazers and the Sonics. And I was looking at these teams and I was like, man, you know, who am I, who, you know, who am I liking out of, out of these teams? I wanted to pick uh, one of the worst teams in the league. So that way when they became good again, I could say, oh, I've liked them since they were this bad, blah, blah, blah. And that was my um, goal as a kid when I was picking my favorite team. And uh, I remember doing some research and I went on YouTube and b- back before YouTube um, is what it is today. And uh, I looked up some poorly edited highlight videos of uh, Gary Payton. And I remember I found this guy and I was like, oh my God. I was like, this guy is like, holy shit. I, I-, I can't believe there's somebody who's like, you know, a smaller guy. I mean, he's still six foot something, but uh, a smaller guy, like a point guard. Um, who can really defend, honestly, at, le- at least on the floor, can defend one through five and um, ha- had the pickpocket ability of a, you know, 15th century thief, <laughs> if that makes sense. And, and, and wanted to guard those guys. He and did. fly away from, from uh, guarding Jordan in finals in 96. You know, was not, not afraid to be on the line when the games mattered the most and was amongst the most all-time premier shit talkers to ever play the game. He would always give you an earful if you were matched up with him. Even if you weren't, he was always bapping his gums. He's a guy who, um, like I said, you, you grew up hard in Oakland, and those those guys have a pedigree of, uh, you know, playground hoops that um, – that's part of it. That's part of their lineage. That's part of their DNA. He honored that and transcended that and earned that moniker of the glove like nobody ever had deserved. I I am with you. I've always loved Gary. I've always loved his ability to uh, be a premier teammate and wish his career had ended a little better in L.A. That was a disaster. But right those teams in Seattle, he and Kemp, man, they were, they were fun to watch. Those, those teams were, were excellent and, you know, um, put themselves in a position to, to be competitive every year. Yeah, absolutely. And so what I was trying to get at, uh, other than my fandom of the Sonics and, and the Thunder is um, I was able to go back and eventually find some, you know, some tape and do some learning. And uh, Hakeem Olajuwon is one of those big men that I just fell in love with. I have deep respect for the big men. And whether it was Hakeem or, you know, the Admiral or even Shaq, um, I, I love those guys. And there's, there's a, you know, there's very few teams and there's very few fans 
that you can point at and say that, man, through thick and thin, through good teams, through bad teams, they are loyal. And uh, Houston Rockets fans are, are one of those fan bases, and, and they're extremely loyal. And people from Houston um, and people who love Houston are loyal to H-Town. And um, I know for a while, and I'm, I'm actually going to read this out loud um, to you in just a second. This is from my good buddy, Jordy, who's a Rockets fan. And he's been trying to stay optimistic through this whole thing. But in, you know, in recent weeks, he's finally just said, get James Harden the hell out of there, man. And um, I just got I just got this text from him. I asked him to send me a, uh, a breakdown of the trade and give me his um, – you know, his idea on the future of the team. So this is from a, this is from a diehard Rockets fan. This dude's got a Shane Battier jersey hanging up in his closet. So, you know, it goes to tell you something. So he said, I think it's a good trade. This is a quote, quote, I think it's a good trade. Honestly, it was time for Harden to go. In my opinion, we had to move on. He, he has proved over time in Houston that he needs help. He just doesn't want it. I'm glad two parties went. The, I'm glad the parties went their separate ways. Now, in terms of future for the Rockets, it's endless, in my opinion. Still a good trade destination, good city to play, and they will show you love. Bringing in Wall as our new leader is a nice move. Uh, sorry, it, it shifted. Wall is more a team player. He listens and he works with guys to make them better. He is coming in with a chip on his shoulder this season to prove to everyone that he is still an all-star. Having Boogie come in is, is a great, also as a good bet that isn't scared to get dirty and rough if need be, but can stretch the floor out to help Wall, especially with their chemistry from Kentucky. Chad, we've mentioned that to each other. Um, I love Victor Oladipo, super athletic and a good shooter. Um, here we go. Great on defense. It keeps shifting, I'm sorry. Um, great on defense also, which really helps us out. But to think of it as defense, it's probably the best – it's been player-wise in the past few years, he's saying their defensive prowess now in Houston. Actually, we actually have people that can guard. I'm glad the six-second offense is gone. Um, I'm glad D'Antoni is gone. I'm glad the six-second offense is gone, he, re he you know reiterates. Christian Wood is a great pickup as a younger guy that can stretch the floor and help make shots for you and being able to keep most of our bench and have that depth and spacing really helps out Boogie coming off the bench a group of younger players he can lead. And he goes on for, you know, a little bit. He still says he's optimistic that they can maybe be a fifth seed in the West. I think, I think that's pretty optimistic, but I mean, that just goes to show you, man, a diehard Rockets fan um, who, uh, you know, I've known Jordy a, a big portion of my life and he's been a Rockets fan. And even he was like, man, it's time for this dude to get the hell out of here. Like that shows you something. Yeah. I, I think you're right. And I think there's a lot to digest in that and there's a lot to chew up and we can spit it out. I think there's, he's right on a lot of levels. I've never enjoyed the Antonis um, style. I liked how Nash and Stoudemire created a dynamic one, two punch in Phoenix. Nash is one of my favorite guys and he's one of the guys that ultimately at the end of the day today, I pity the most. I think he's put in a very difficult situation having to now navigate a situation that is um, very tumultuous and and we'll get to that in a minute but with regard to your boy's comments um christian wood has looked great to start the season he's went on the court a a super pickup for them 
do I expect the Rockets now to potentially make the playoffs? Yes, Oladipo is a, a very good defender. Karis LeVert is an excellent defender. You know, the, the Nets don't have anybody that can guard anybody anymore. They lost their three best defenders today. We'll get and to them in a minute. But was, with, regard, with regard to the Rockets, the Rockets are definitely a better team now and, and ultimately have now a blueprint to go forward. That's really what you want is something to build on. You want, you want at least as a fan, to know that your organization cares about you. That's why Maury and D'Antoni, to me, you know, Moneyball works because there's a formula and also a pragmatic approach to it that has shown that in a small market creates results. Houston's not a small market. This team has now put themselves in a place, and I expect to see some more further moves, in all honesty, in Houston I don't I don't figure PJ Tucker to be a part of their future, but they're gonna they're gonna explore other moves, I would expect here in the very near future to try and find other things that fit. And I do expect them to make the playoffs now. I I, I think they'll they'll sneak in as a, a seven seed. And whereas up to today, uh, they were a disaster. They were a team you didn't want to watch. I mean, nobody wants to not be able to pull for their hometown team or or the team they grew up loving, that's that's a hard thing to have to do. You know, uh, as a Warrior fan growing up with terrible teams, we continue to root for them. And and like you, picking the the worst team on on uh, you, you know available, you get to now pull for a team that's great. But the Rockets now are in a position to actually make themselves a very good organization. I never believed in Maury. I've never believed in D'Antoni. I think D'Antoni is a guy on Nash's bench is great as a offensive coordinator type role, but as a head coach, he's overmatched. He doesn't understand what it takes to, to be a, a, a full blown coach, head coach. He's, he's not the guy able to, um, dictate roles and, and put guys, and especially with Murray at the helm, who has no working knowledge of what it takes to put together a roster and showed that in his small ball approach, which is where the NBA is going, granted, but you have to have some balance. You, have, the, no, you, you can crunch data and you can go, look, no NBA team that can't guard somebody makes it into the championship with a realistic chance to win a championship. You have to be able to stop somebody. You have to be able to, on the other end of the floor, match up and get guys to close out, stop guys, create opportunities in a scramble court, create a, a, a counter uh, attack, and, and the Rockets haven't done that. The Rockets have been an unwatchable basketball for the whole time that Harden has been there. And, and for them to finally divorce themselves of this situation and say, it's over, we're moving on, we're, we're going to take on, we're going to take the hit, we're going to take the draft picks, we're going to take Oladipo, which with Wall will be 
a nice pick. And by the way, John Wall is a guy you want on your team. He's a teammate. Now he's not at a hundred percent and he's not close. He's still recouping from almost two years of injury, but as a character person, as a human, he's a guy you want with you. He, he's a guy you will roll with. DeMarcus Cousins is the same. These guys who've played with Cousins, including all of the Warriors, love the guy. He's a, a character guy, a guy who wants to be a part of a winning organization. Those are the guys you build around. Now, while you might not get the best version of either one of them due to their injury, you still have guys that you can build around. And with Oladipo, you can build around that. And with these swaps and with these picks, now you're in a position to get better. And you're, you're in a position to heal. That's well, I'm really glad I'm, I'm glad you brought up some of the stuff that, that that's come up in this trade. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and just jump right into it. Let's dive into it head first. James Harden has officially been traded to the Brooklyn Nets. Now you may be asking, what else did they get in return? Jack squat. They got James Harden. Now you would expect, okay, maybe they didn't give up too much. Oh, you'd be very, very, very much wrong. They gave up a ton, which is why Chad Jackson said today they should have been wearing a a goddamn ski mask because they got a haul, the Houston Rockets at least. So the Rockets, let me let me tell you this. The Nets get James Harden, okay, MVP, scoring champion, multiple-time All-Star, never been to a finals. The Rockets get in return Victor Oladipo. This is a multi-team trade, four teams to be exact. Nets get Harden. The Rockets get Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Radion Kuruks, three Brooklyn Nets first-round picks. Those would be 2022, 2024, and 2026. Then they get one Milwaukee Bucks first-round pick in 2022, unprotected. Then you get the Brooklyn Nets first-round swaps. They swap picks in 21, 23, 25, and 27. If this is a lot to follow, you're right. The Pacers get Karis LeVert and a second-round pick. Initially, the Rockets got Karis LeVert. They decided to swap with the Pacers for Victor Oladipo instead. The Cavs get Jared Allen and Torian Prince from the Brooklyn Nets. Now, Chad, that's a lot to process here. And um, we've seen this a few times over the last few years. You know, OKC got a nice haul for, for Russell Westbrook. They got a really nice haul for Paul George. This is something that's becoming – uh, more and more, um, you know, normalized, I guess. Um, I, my, my, one of my main questions is, is out of this trade, excluding the Pacers and the Cavaliers, because the Cavs are probably a few years away from really being championship contenders, if you can even call it that, um, this trade doesn't really make the Pacers any better. If, if anything, it kind of keeps them stagnant, I think, as to where they are. But out of the two teams that are the main focal points of this trade, the Brooklyn Nets and the Houston Rockets, this might be a weird question because you're, you've got three all-stars on one team. Two of them are MVPs. One of them is a, is a multi-time champion. One of them is a, you know, the other one, a championship with LeBron. Who's better, the Houston Rockets or the Brooklyn Nets? Houston Rockets. The Rockets, the Rockets made out. Look, it, it, 
we the, one of the things that hasn't even been addressed at this point, Casey, is where is Kyrie Irving? What is Kyrie Irving? Is this guy even going to be? I mean, Stephen A. was on first take this morning, screaming for him to retire. So, is this a guy you want as a teammate? Is this a guy who? I mean, we've already known all of everything that comes with him as a flat earther and uh, a guy who is clearly self-absorbed and was happier being the lead dog on a Cleveland team that had no future or chance to be competitive and was unhappy when they traded to get the King back and ultimately won a championship while he was an integral part of that and was important and made the big shot and all of that. He's still a guy who's, I think we can agree is a selfish human, you know, and then you add to that mix Harden, who is clearly selfish and you have a fragile egoed KD who is now the guy who looks like the most sane guy on your roster. This is, as Jay was saying earlier, this is like reality TV in the NBA. This, this, this could get very, very weird and uncomfortable in New Jersey. Pardon me, Brooklyn. Now, the Rockets have a future. The Nets have mortgaged everything. They have taken they have they have taken a reverse mortgage here. They've they've gone in and they're in a position now where if this doesn't work, and and there's some speculation as to they've done this deal because they do not feel that Kyrie is a trustable asset. And that at some point in the very near future, he he may be moved also or not be a usable player. Because really, what is the deal? What is going on with Kyrie, Casey? What is the deal? I mean, he's not played the last five games. He's showing up at family gatherings without a mask. He's going to be put in protocol. The earliest he can be back is Saturday. Now we're looking at, is this guy a responsible teammate? Does he even give a rat's ass about his teammates? Has he ever, or is it only always been about him? And in basketball where, you know, it's, as we've discussed in the past, you have to play offense and defense. You don't get to sub out. You don't get to switch ends of the floor. You have to be a cohesive unit. Is he a guy that you can trust? We know he doesn't want to play defense. We know he's not a good defender. If he wanted to, his athletic ability would allow him to be a great defender, but he doesn't choose to do so. All he wants is the ball in his hand so he can be, uh, you know, this creative shot maker. Is he a guy you can build your franchise around? And do you really now at this point, with those three fragile egos, do you think that you can, to me, it's laughable. Honestly, I think I think the Nets are must-watch television every night that they're on, except for tonight when they're playing the Knicks as I'm watching them. The Knicks have been a pleasant surprise thus far. Julius Randle, shout. But hey, I love me some Julius Randle. I know you love him, and he's playing very well. 
and the Knicks are overachieving right now. Six and five. Nets, the Nets have set themselves up to be total disaster. And I, I don't I don't know how else you get around it. I mean, right now, how much money are the Brooklyn strip clubs investing in refurbishing their their chairs and tables and buffet lines and all the things that come with what uh you know, Chubby's going to bring to uh, the Brooklyn scene as far as because that's what it's about. I mean, all of that leaked out. All of that started to become, you know, really part of the the discussion about who Harden was and how he drove all of the everything that was the Houston Rockets culture. It's a blessing for the Rockets to be rid of him and for them to get what they got. And for them, they're going to have to be patient. Okay, they're going to—they're not—they're not going to get better overnight. But they are in a position to where at least they have a future. And the Nets at this point, all you can do is shake your head and, and wonder how anybody thinks this chemis- chemistry experiment is going to work. Because well, I—I'm I, not one to buy in. So well, well, you know who's probably laughing and uh, you know just shaking their head at this whole situation is Mikhail Prokhorov, uh, if that's how you spell his name. Please, please forgive me if I mispronounced it. Um, he is the former owner of the Brooklyn Nets. He sold his his 49% share last year to Joseph Tsai, the owner of Alibaba. And um, you've got you to gotta think, man, he's sitting back watching this like, God, what a shit show. Like, I'm glad I got out when I did because, man, this is absolutely terrible. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I've ever seen – look, I – I, I like Kyrie, man, and I, and I want him to succeed. Um, he's not one of those guys. He's, strangely enough, he's a guy, he's a basketball player with an ego that I'm actually like, okay, yeah. I mean, if he if he handled his business on court and was able to show up every day and do what he needs to do, the ego would not mean anything to me. The way he acts wouldn't mean anything to me. Um, you know where I think, you know where I think the problem started and initially lies is, uh, is, is on Cleveland. I think Cleveland, you know, I'm sure Cleveland could give two shits now, but back whenever he wanted out because he wanted to go be the guy in Boston and Cleveland gave him what he wanted. Um, I think that's kind of where all this started because he saw, well, you know, if I'm this talented that Cleveland is going to let me leave LeBron James, like I can do whatever I want. And, you know, teams are still going to sign me. I'm still going to have a job because I'm Kyrie Irving. And, um, it's a problem, man. And I don't know what's going on with Kyrie. And maybe we're, maybe this is all bigger than basketball. And there's something like personal in his family going on that we just don't know about. And justifiably, we shouldn't if it's that big of a deal. But if there's nothing going on in his family or his private life that supersedes or exceeds uh, basketball, rather, um, he needs to be playing, man. He needs to be on the court. And if, and if there is too much stuff going on that he can't focus on the court – um, I think maybe Stephen A is right. Maybe he needs to retire and maybe he needs to step away. At least, you know, Jordan did it. Jordan stepped away when he needed to. Um, and he came back. Jordan stepped away when his dad died. And you know, as sad as that was, he eventually was able to come back and, you know, win more for his dad. And I don't know what's going on with Kyrie, man. And, and maybe if he needs to step away and take some time away from basketball, then so be it. That's what he needs to do. But in this current climate and uh, the way that things are going, 
I don't see this working out well. You want to talk about a franchise that has really just shot themselves in the foot on multiple occasions. Let's talk about, you know, 2013 when the Brooklyn Nets traded away all of their first round picks for the next, what was it, eight or six or seven years or something uh, to get an, an old Paul Pierce and old Kevin Garnett. I mean, come on, man. Uh, I, and now you, you're not only taking so you, you talked about huge egos, Chad, you t- and, you know, we talk about not only James Harden, uh, the guy who forced his way out of Houston, not only Kyrie Irving, the guy who not only forced his way out of Cleveland and not only forced his way out of Boston, but now looks like he might be trying to force his way out of Brooklyn. I don't, I don't know what this guy's deal is. I don't know if this guy just doesn't care enough and, and more importantly, I don't know why teams keep paying him. Um, I don't care what the upside is, man. I would rather, I mean, I, I know you Chad, and I know if I asked you, if you'd rather have Kyrie or Karis LeVert, you'd say in a heartbeat Karis LeVert, because at least he's at the, at least he's at the damn facility playing basketball. Yeah. He's a teammate. He's a guy who wants to be there and, and gives effort on both ends of the floor and, cares about the outcome of the game to me the worst thing that ever happened to Kyrie was him hitting that shot that oh shot my god you're Florida, right you're right it, 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 it was it, it made him have this elevated sense of self-importance that now he he's bought his own hype he believes he is that he thinks and he's really, Kobe Bryant he, he does and, and look, okay, you made a very solid point, okay? If there is something going on familial, personally, like if, if there's other elements to this that we're not privy to, that isn't being shared, I stand down. I stand corrected. 100%. Because there, there is that in people's lives. There is depression issues. There are things that that we don't know about and shouldn't know about. And if that's what's going on, then I understand and take your time and do what you need to do for yourself, your family to make yourself right. But for the most part, that hasn't been the history of who this guy is. He's been a selfish, me first guy who when he doesn't get his way or doesn't get the acquiescence from the organization, and everybody to kowtow to his personal needs, he has a problem with that. He doesn't, it doesn't fit for me now all of a sudden. Now I need some new situation. I need somebody else to find me a way out of this thing that is a problem that I actually created for myself. So when when I see it, it doesn't look to me like this is, and you know, this this all kind of happened tangentially with what happened at the Capitol a week ago. So, you know, I know he's he's a, a civil rights activist. I know he's got those things as part of who he is. And I honor that. And that's fine. But everybody else is still playing. Everybody else is still doing their job and showing up and contributing and trying to help the team win. Why can't you? Why, why are you the only guy that, all of this affects 
and, and, and he wants to come across as like this deep thinker. And I went to Duke and I'm so smart. You know what, guy? You just come off looking like a clown. The more you act like this, the more you do these things, you just come off looking like the ass, the heel, the guy who just doesn't want to be a part of the team unless it's all about you. And I can't deal with those guys. And now you got two of those guys on the team. And, you know, really in honesty, you have kind of a, a, a fringe third one in KD who had problems in Golden State while he was winning championships and MVPs and and was still upset that the community, the city embraced Steph over him. So you, you, you got three of the most fragile humans in the sport trying to coexist. Dude, this should be funny. It should be funny. And if it, and, and they, the Brooklyn's already underachieving. They've already like not. And, and today Vegas vaulted them. And usually I'm, I'm always the guy who says, watch Vegas and what they say. They, they don't make a habit of losing money. They vaulted them to, you know, the, the second prohibitive favorite behind the Lakers and all this. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't, I can't buy in at all. I I'm, I, in honesty, the Warriors, as you know, are my favorite team, and I watch them religiously every single time I have a chance. But I am going to go out of my way, especially if Kyrie can find his way back on the court. I will go out of my way to watch every single Nets game this year just because I want to see the disaster. I can't wait. So my question to you, Chad, and I, I, I'm pretty sure I already have the answer, um, so I'm going to ask it as a two-parter. Can the Brooklyn Nets coexist? And where do they land in the playoffs? Like, where, where, how far do they go? No, they can't coexist for all the reasons we've mentioned already. Too many fragile egos. Basketball is a selfless game. You have to give up your ego. You have to give up yourself. You have to sacrifice for your teammate. You, the, the, the term help defense, those are all real parts of every second of this game. You have to make the extra pass. You have to be willing to give of yourself in this sport more than any other. They don't have those guys. And now they have nobody that wants to play defense. So those that's a terrible combination selfishness and no defense leads to tragic results in the nba so do they make the playoffs i don't even know that they make the playoffs bro i mean yeah they're if they do they're they're one and done this this team's going nowhere i'm sorry not buying it not buying it i I can't say that i disagree with you look man i i I have a hard time. I have a hard time seeing how a guy in Kyrie Irving who's forced his way out of two teams and is looking like he might be doing it for a third, a guy in James Harden who forced two All Stars and a former MVP in Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul, who is arguably some people say the greatest point guard of all time, and Kevin Durant who blew a three-one lead against the. Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, decided to join them, made enemies with his teammates, and then went to Brooklyn 
to not only play with Kyrie Irving, but join the fragile ego of Kyrie Irving, I have a hard time seeing how those three guys, without that much of a supporting cast now, you gave up Allen, you gave up Torian Prince, you gave up Karis LeVert, you gave up you gave up Dante Exum, you gave up Radion Kuruks, who I, I know a lot of people don't know who Radion Kuruks is, but I, I do like Radion Kuruks. He's a good shooter. You gave up a, a large part of your supporting cast for James Harden, who is primarily at his best when he is the number one option on the team. And I'm sorry, as much as I might have loathed the man at one time and Kevin Durant for leaving my Oklahoma City Thunder to go join your Warriors, I can't look at Kyrie Irving and I can't look at James Harden and say, yeah, I would rather start my franchise with those guys over a multi-time champion MVP and maybe the greatest basketball player ever in Kevin Durant and think this is going to work. I, I can't. I, I just can't look at this team and see them coexisting. Um, mark my words. One of these guys, if not two of these guys, will be gone from Brooklyn by the end of next season. By the end of 2022, this team will not be together. It, 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 it be, can't. And then they'll be back. Exactly. You pointed out the disastrous trade for Pierce and Garnett as they were in their twilight. Let's not let's not discount the reality that you know, again, we go back to James Harden being overweight and not in shape and not committed, not a spring chicken, not, you didn't trade for a 25 year old James Harden. You know, you're not, you're not building a team around uh, three guys who are up and comers. Kyrie is not brand new to the league. Kevin Durant, torn Achilles you're you're talking about mortgaging your future giving away all your draft picks just like you've done in the past when's the last time the 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 Nets actually had a draft pick and used it you know you this is a cycle of repetitiveness and you're right Prokhorov is like yeah thank god I'm out of that shit show I don't need to be a this is this is a disaster this guy Luau Cabarro I like him he's a good player He's a guy who will have a future in this league, but you have one guy, you have one other guy and three guys who at the end of the season will be ready to strangle each other. And you have no big bodies, but DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen can protect the rim. Torian Prince was a defender. Karis LeVert is a potential star. I mean, it's an arguable trade. In my opinion, it's almost a straight across equal, especially with Oladipo's injury, whether or not you should have traded Levert for Oladipo. So I, 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 I don't, you gave up way too much. If you're Brooklyn, you, you, you've, you've given up way too much for what, for what three guys did all need the ball. How is it going to work? You can't guard anybody and you need three balls on the floor to win. Uh, dude, it's, it's going to end in tragedy and it's going to end humorously for all those who, who really have any working knowledge of the NBA. I can promise you those, those of us are ready to laugh, watch and laugh. I am. I can't, I have been wishing for this. I think I even shared this with you. I prayed that they would trade him to the nets and and keep all this together so we could watch this whole thing unfold and everybody could understand basketball is not about 
three great superstars. It, it can be, but they have to have a, a divergence of skills. There have to be, you have to have complementary skill. You have to have parts like Kobe and Shaq. You, you're a Kobe guy. Kobe and Shaq together, that could have been poetry for eight solid years because those two guys together, while they hated each other personally, had the most complementary set of skills maybe ever in the history of the NBA. And you don't have that when you look at this Nets team. You have three guys that are ball dominant, that want the ball every single time, that want to dribble, 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 create their own shot and show you how great they are and how creative they are. Angle work, baby. Angle work. I 100% agree. And, you know, and this is the last I'll, I'll say on this because we have other topics we're going to hit on this great episode of Jackson and the Kid. We've already given you so much. we got more to hit. But you, you made a good point. You, you can't coexist or you can't win, even with three superstars. You can't without complementary pieces. You know, we even saw it with the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat had LeBron, D. Wade, and, and you know, they were both in their prime. Uh, along with Chris Bosh, who, I mean, if you go back and look at it, maybe one of the greatest supporting cast members to like two complimentary superstars ever. Um, unbelievable teammate. Unbelievable. Sacrificial guy. And I, and guy I hated to see him. I hated to see him in his career the way he did. It was tragic. That was sad. But you want to talk about a guy who is a willing teammate? willing to sacrifice himself for the better of the team that guy was the guy you gotta Absolutely. have those guys you do and, be, and they had they had guys like that ray allen shane battier mario chalmers i mean you you had guys like that that did their job when they needed to do their job and unfortunately for the brooklyn nets you traded most of those guys away i mean who are you gonna lean on deandre jordan I mean, DeAndre Jordan is also 30 plus, you know, and I mean, you traded for a guy in James Harden who is on his third contract from the Houston Rockets. Let, let's put that into perspective. His third contract from the Houston Rockets. This guy is not a young guy. Kyrie Irving, this is his, this is his third team. Kevin Durant, this is his third team. All of these guys have had injuries. All of these guys have sat significant time and I don't know, man. I think I think one of these guys, may, whether it be sooner or later, are going to get shut down for the season, and we're going to go into the playoffs without one of them, anyways. So we'll see how it works. But you and I both agree that it's not going to work out well. But speaking of something else that I don't know how it, you know, that it'll work out well. Sixteen players just this week, or you know, as of this week, Chad have tested positive for the coronavirus, and amidst all this, the Atlanta Hawks are now talking about allowing ticketed like ticket purchased fans into their arena starting on January 26th. You want to talk about bad ideas. I mean, look, some people are on the opposite end of the spectrum as we are. Um, but I have been, I have been very safe when it comes to the virus. I, I, I do wear a mask, whether you agree with that or not, I quite frankly could give two shits. You can, you can do whatever you want. But my opinion is, is that I wear a mask everywhere I go. Um, and, whatever but we just shut down a whole season there's a whole country across across the world the uk is on lockdown and we are we are setting records every day for numbers of deaths in the united states 
due to the coronavirus. And we're talking about allowing fans to go watch basketball games on January 26th. What the hell is this, Chad? Oh, I think we lost you, Chad. I'm sorry. You're good. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, it's the mute button. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best. It's okay. Chad, hey, everybody, give Chad a round of applause at home. Yeah, he is man, learning technology, and he's doing a great job. But, Chad, tell me what's up with this allowing fans in starting January 26th. Is this not asinine? Yeah, it's totally asinine. It, 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 look, on, on a number of levels, it's asinine. Um, and, and you're hearing guys, you know, um, report like George Hill today saying, you know, I, I'm, I can't believe this. You know, I'm getting to sweat next to a guy. And then now you want to tell me, I mean, look, man, this is part of what is the reality, our new reality. And I'm, I'm sorry, you know, I'm with you. I have to wear a mask everywhere I go. I'm out in public every single day in front of people in restaurants, dealing with folks where it is mandatory for me. My company mandates that. But even if they hadn't mandated it, I would have it on and I would respect what is happening in our country. We're, we're approaching 400,000 people dead from this disease. In our country, we're, right? We're now. over three thousand a day, Chad. Three thousand people a day are dying. So, would you rather get a chance to play the game you love, or would is it more important that people be there to give you that pat on the ass, attaboy? What's more important to you? You know, in, in reality, a lot of the times when I watch the the bubble games and all of the media back up off the floor and the 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 fans not sitting directly on the floor I, I and the way the the espn and 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 silver and everybody nba tv did such an amazing job of filming it and making it really quite beautiful to watch because you know the game is played outside the the, the baseline and outside the sidelines, you know, those guys are, it's not a big court. It's 94 feet. You know, there's, there's a lot of, of, of big bodies inside a small space. So they're going to be forced outside. So they're going to be landing in laps of fans landing on, you know, the, the, the media that's parked on the baseline. That's all gone away. And it makes the game flow nicer. It makes it, it makes it really kind of what it's supposed to be. If you were to pl be playing like in a pickup game and, and watching it in, in, in real life, you know, uh, without all of the people there. And I think there's some element of that that I really love. And uh, you know, I of course want the fans to be a part of it, but I want this to be about us being responsible as humans and Americans and understanding that, you have a television. Nobody in this country doesn't have a television. And you can watch a game almost every day on television. It may not be your team, but you still get to watch the sport. So, you know, you, do you, is, it, is it that imperative that you have to be in the – no, it isn't. So it's irresponsible. These guys don't want to go back in the bubble. LeBron today was talking about he was – starting to shudder, having to think about going back into the bubble. And I don't, I don't blame them. 
nobody wants to be quarantined or forced into a situation where they can't do the things that they want to do but then act responsibly do the don't don't show up at strip clubs don't go to family gatherings and not wear a mask just understand you're an, a very privileged human with an opportunity to earn way past what all the rest of us get get the chance to earn and to you're, you're doing that playing a game playing a child's game and if you can't accept the other side of it the responsibility that comes with that shame on you i don't have any pity for you i don't feel sorry for you i'm not going to cry for you that you have to heed other rules the the more difficult more challenging rules that's the way it goes dude that's 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 real life suck no, it up i agree deal I with agree. it and you know and you know uh my wife and i were talking and we were talking the other day about this and we're both on the same page in terms of wearing the mask, especially now that she is uh, extremely pregnant. <laughs> um, we, are, we are both very much on the same page in terms of wearing the mask everywhere we go. Look, I'm not saying that I'm not even saying that I don't want to go to the games. Oh my God. I would love to go to another basketball game, bro. I was fiending for it last year. I wanted to go to a basketball game so bad. I had plans to be a season ticket holder for, for the Pelicans last year. For this past season, I had plans to do that, and that was cut short. And you know what? Does it suck? Absolutely. I would I would have loved to do that, and I would love to go to more games. But at the same time, I it's about being responsible. I realize that we can't always do the things that we want, and you're right. We're starting to see a shift in how we're going to live our everyday lives, and my wife and I were talking about that the other day. And she brought up the fact that we went to a restaurant the other day and that the people in the, in the back, even in the back were wearing masks. And she was like, you know what? One day, hopefully when all this is over and we've got this all figured out, I hope there are things that stick around. Like, why is it such a big deal that food workers are wearing masks when they're preparing our food? There, there are things that just have been put into perspective a lot since all this has happened that make you really think like, why was that so socially acceptable before all of this? Why weren't we like really focusing on that before this started? Why weren't we doing this before this started? And it really puts that into perspective. And in terms of sports, you can already see a lot of places starting to do things that maybe not, maybe inadvertently um, lean their hand towards being more safe, being safer. And you can see it with uh, the New Orleans Superdome, whoever is going to be the next, you know, namesake on the building, uh, because Mercedes Benz is backing is not backing out, but they're leaving because they have Atlanta's stadium now. Whoever is on there, there's already plans to build new um, booths, more VIP booths on the stadium, like on the uh, field. So instead of being like right there, super close to the field, I think we're going to start seeing that to where there's more closed in booths where the, where, you know, you have a closer interaction with the players without being able to actually touch them. And it still provides that crazy, insane experience while being able to be safe, not only for yourself, but for the players, because let's think about this. So many people are dying every day. Like, while, while it's sad for anybody to pass away, all these people who are pushing to go back to games, go back to games, go back to games, what's going to happen if everything forbid one of these players loses their life to this virus because we pushed so hard to go back to games? You know, let's say somebody falls in your lap and that person has COVID and now you have COVID and now all of a sudden that player is, <coughs> sorry, in the smaller scale of things, 
is no longer able to play basketball because they're no longer with us, but they just left a family behind. Their, their kids don't have a father anymore. Their wife don't have, doesn't have a husband anymore. Their mom no longer has a son. Like these things are way more important than basketball. And I think allowing fans in, into arenas on January 26th is just not only irresponsible, but it's just, it's mind blowing to me and it's mind boggling to me. And I, I, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't see any way that anybody could justify this to me other than making money and making money does it means nothing to me as a basketball fan and it means nothing to me as a husband it means nothing to me as a uh, as someone who's about i mean chad you know as someone who's about to be a dad that that means nothing to me if you come up and say hey here's a million dollars to do this or here's nothing and you can continue your daily life and take care of your family i mean you, you choose option b in a heartbeat every single time it's not it's no question and I don't know, like we've said a million times already, allowing fans in this early with no answer to where we are in the immediate future, even with a vaccine on the way, is extremely irresponsible. And I hate to see it. But moving on to bigger and better things in the NBA, let's talk about the players of the week for each respective conference, Chad. Um, I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a while. Luka Doncic and Jason Tatum were named the players of the week for the Eastern and Western Conference. Luca was averaging 30.3 points. They, they each played three games. So in three games, Luca averaged 30.3 points, 12 rebounds, 11.3 assists, 3-0. and Jason Tatum, 33 points, 5.3 rebounds, 2.7 assists, 3-0. and Now I have to, I have to admit to you, Chad, these guys remind me of a lot of, or a lot of two respective legends in their own right. Jason Tatum, Reminds me a lot, man, and I might get some flack for this, but I told you beforehand, he reminds me a lot of Kobe, man. He's got that mentality. He's young. He's ready to lead his own team. He 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 has the ability to score. We saw the game winner he hit over Giannis just a few weeks ago. You look at Luka Doncic, man. He's maybe not – he's not nearly as athletic as LeBron, especially when LeBron was this young, but this guy drops triple doubles like it's nothing. And, and was winning championships against grown men overseas in Europe and then came to the NBA and said, yeah, actually the, the NBA is a little easier to win. These guys remind me a lot of Kobe and LeBron. And my big question to you is, and take your time on this, are we seeing the future of the NBA right before our eyes? No question. These are both guys that we talked about in our last pod with regard to MVP candidates. Uh, guys that we had marked as guys to watch as potential MVP candidates for the season. So am I surprised that they're at this place? No. Do I, do I disregard your comparisons? No, I think you, you're, you're on the money. Uh, You know, um, Tatum has that. I want the ball. I want to make my team better. I want to win mentality. Very akin to what we saw with Kobe. Uh, very, very much the same. I, I, I thought Tatum was the guy in that draft. We've talked about this already. I, I still have, have no reason to think that that's not exactly the case with regard to his trajectory as a teammate as a leader and those are the things that i think are are the the things that you're noticing you know these are guys 
that want to win and are pushing their teams to win, that are doing the small things to be the leader of their teams, to be the guys that accept that responsibility in being great and also being the face of the franchise. I think Doncic has the same trajectory. Uh, is he athlete, as athletic as um, LeBron? No. But does he have the same skill set and the same desire and want to get other guys involved and and making sure that his team is in a place to um, be competitive? And now they get Porzingis back. I know we're going to talk about that. You know, the this is a guy who understands the little things about the game that matter more than just putting the ball in the basket and how to grow your team and how to make your team better every single day as a, as a person in the clubhouse, in the locker room, being a leader, showing, leading by example, sharing the ball, not trying to, to, be the he's the point guard and he's six nine he's he he has a lot of similarities to lebron but he doesn't he doesn't need the ball he would rather see other guys have an opportunity and help other guys grow that that's basketball that's what makes the game beautiful that's what makes it watchable for me is are guys like he and tatum who are absolutely MVP candidates because of the the sum of the things they do for their team selfish selflessly they just give a part of themselves to make the team better without having to say this is my team I'm going to take all the shots I'm going to pound and dribble and isolate and take my shot and everybody's going to clap at the end of the play. No, you, that's not how you win. This is the formula for winning. Those guys have the winning formula. And, and you know, you, you look at a guy like Ainge, you look at a guy like Cuban. These are guys who are leaders and have won and understand how to win and how to build a culture and how to find the right guys to put in that system that are going to help that organization grow. That's not a mistake. That's not an accident. That's how, that's how it happens. You know, you, you, you have those people in the right place. Your organization succeeds. It's just how it works. So I, am I surprised by it? Absolutely not at all. Am I expecting more improved, greater, better things from both of them? Absolutely. Do I think that Luca being, uh, overseas playing at a young age against men has pushed him into a different stratosphere 100%. Do I think that Tatum's pedigree at Duke propelled him to a position to understand? Again, Krzyzewski's a leader of men who creates men who understand how to be a part of a winning organization that's what it takes this is not about a guy this is not about a one person this is about one person understanding how to help build a team around them 
and understanding, oh yeah, I'm the best guy on this team. I may be the best player like Kobe, like LeBron, but I can't do this myself. And if I, if I have to do this myself, we won't win. So those guys are on another level. They put themselves in the MVP conversation. We expected they would, and they're living up to that. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize I was muted. Absolutely. And you know, what's crazy is that these guys are doing this um, for a, a large part of the season. Tatum has done this without Kimba. Um, Luca has done this without Kristaps Porzingis. And I already told you, man, Luca is one of my, is one of my favorite players in the league right now. And I, I, I feel like he even, he even has, parts of his game that make me think that he could be the next Kobe. So these guys, these guys, it's easy to compare them to generations past, but these guys are forging their own new generation along with a lot of other guys like Giannis and, and, and other guys. And, and, you know, Zion's coming up. There are guys like that who are making their own path. And it's just really cool to see because, you know, every generation it happens. Chad, I'm sure when Michael was playing, they were like, oh, God, what are we going to do when Michael's gone? Mike, you know, oh, man, once Mike's gone, it's going to be it's he's not going to be the same. And then LeBron came along. Well, 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 now that once LeBron's gone and to be fair, he's still here. But you know what I mean? Once once Kobe, oh, man, Kobe and Dwight or not Kobe uh, and Dwight, but Kobe and Tim Duncan, they're leaving. Kevin Garnett's gone. What are we going to do? It, it just goes to show you that there's always more talent, and there's always guys that are who, who are going to surprise you uh, waiting in the wings, ready for their shot. And I think a big part of, just like I mentioned, uh, Luca playing against the, the grown men overseas, I think um, Jason Tatum's real moment of growth and maturity was his rookie season when they brought the, the LeBron-led cast to, to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. And Jason Tatum came out there and said, yeah, let me get LeBron. Let, let me have LeBron. If we lose, okay, we lost to LeBron James, but I want LeBron James. And he took LeBron and he made LeBron go, whoa, what, what is this kid doing? Who is this kid? And he, he gained LeBron's respect. And, and not many people can say that. Like, yeah, I'm sure LeBron has come out and said that, yeah, oh, yeah, I respect this guy. I respect this guy. But internally, how many people can legitimately play in not only, not only you know, in front of Boston Celtics fans, but in front of Cavs fans and LeBron James and say, yeah, I did that with LeBron James. And LeBron looks over and says, yeah, kid, I see what you did. I got you. And not many people can say that, man. And Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, they're special. But let, let, let's switch over to what we were talking about. Christoph Porzingis just announced right before we started this pod that he is playing tonight. And they just went on a 3-0 stretch this past week without him in the lineup. This is his first game on the season where he can actually play. Chad, or, I mean, it, it, look, if this team's healthy, they're championship contenders, are they? I don't know about championship contenders. I think they're in the – Saw, I mean, they're already in the playoff conversation. I think that's where they belong right now. I think they're going to have to get themselves some more parts. But with Luca as a leader, you, you know, you still have to worry about Porzingis and his unicorn fragility. Uh, you know, there's, there's an element of can you keep yourself on the court when 
the season is in jeopardy and we need you, that's an issue for him. At least it has been. So those things have to answer themselves and only, only time will tell there, but you know, again, I, I, I hate to flog a horse, but you go back to leadership organizations, people that's, you know, like him or hate him. Mark Cuban is a smart dude. He's a guy who understands how to build winning teams, businesses. And he's a guy who will piece this together and figure out. I mean, I I didn't like them losing Seth Curry. I thought that was a loss. And it's showing that it's a loss. I mean, he's thriving in Philly. He is an asset, both as a three-point shooter, I think effectively is the most efficient scorer in the league right now. And a lockdown defender from the point guard spot. So those guys are hard to replace. So they're going to have some issues in finding their way. Are they ready to compete for a championship? I think the West is top heavy. I think they can make some noise. I think they probably are, you know, uh, five or six seed in this whole thing when it all is said and done. But do they have a chance to make noise with those guys? I mean, Porzingis is a freak. I mean, he's a seven foot three guy who can go down to the low block or the high post or step out on the three point line or create a shot, you know, and at the same time, he can help you defensively and, and, and block shots and be a help defender. I think there's a, a lot of reasons to be excited about the Mavs. I don't know that they're ready to be included in the conversation for championship level, but that they're, they're making themselves one of those teams that you just have to watch, especially with Porzingis back. What, how much does that open Doncic's game? How much more does that give him the opportunity space-wise on the floor to be creative and find different spots to help his teammates and be a guy who, the guy, the guy, he's LeBron. He's, he's magic. He's got, he's got like some magic tendencies to him. He's always looking for the other guy first. So adding an adding another arrow to his quiver, somebody who's going to be able to find the spot on the floor that's right when he starts to break down defenses so where he can dribble and kick or find him in a low post and then play a pick and roll or, you know, take advantage of the scenarios on on the floor. I Look, I, I think the Mavs are going to be fun to watch for the full full rest of the season not ready to commit to them being a championship team, but I will commit to watching them for the rest of the season. I can promise you that. All right. So I actually wanted to give you an update. Mavs are up on the Charlotte Hornets right now, 92 72. Um, just to give you an update on Porzingis. He's got 19 minutes played. He's six for 13 from the field, four for eight from three shooting 50%. Um, he's got 16 points, four rebounds. Luca is having a Luca game, 30 minutes, 13 for 23, 32 points, five for eight from the three. Uh, he's got 32 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists. He's flirting with a triple-double, and they've got 9.50 left in the fourth. Um, and I'm going to use this as a segue because I'm going to jump over to the Charlotte Hornets. Now, look, they're struggling right now, uh, obviously, against the Mavs. And not only are they struggling, but they're 
arguable rookie of the year is struggling as well. LaMelo Ball, 21 minutes. He's only one for seven from the field, 0 of four from three. He's got two points, uh, five rebounds, four assists. Now, uh, as a team, they're not shooting great. They're shooting uh, 36.7%, only 30.3 from the field. Um, comparatively to the Mavs, 44.9% from the floor. They're 38.5 from the three. Now, I, I, I use that as my segue because quickly, we're going to talk about the rookie of the year race. Um, now, with that being said, LaMelo Ball currently, spoiler alert, according to NBA.com, is ranked as the, um, the favorite for rookie of the year. He's currently ranked first uh, as of yesterday, the 12th. He has, he has been averaging this season 12.4 points per game, seven rebounds per game, and six assists per game. Great numbers for a rookie, especially on a struggling Hornets team that maybe is, you know, the length of this Gordon Hayward contract from really actually contending in the East when they can actually maybe sign another big free agent after LaMelo and P.J. Washington and um, Devontae Graham and some of those other younger guys have really developed a few more years. Um that's probably when they're going to con- actually contend. Now, if we go down to the, uh, I- I'm going to, I'm going to go from fifth to first. We're ranking the top five. Fifth is actually Patrick Williams from Chicago. Fourth overall pick. He's averaging 10.3 points per game, 3.5 rebounds per game and an assist per game. Uh, look, I, I know some Chicago fans and um, one of the guys that I watch on YouTube the most, um, he's never going to listen to this, but shout out to King of the fourth quarter. Shout out to you, Kenny. He, is a huge Chicago fan, and he has admitted he was wrong about the Patrick Williams pick. Number four, Anthony Edwards from Minnesota, the number one overall pick. He's averaging 13.6 points per game, 2.9 rebounds per game, two assists per game. Now, if I'll be fair, Chad, Anthony Edwards is averaging some decent numbers. He has struggled a little bit from the, from his shooting perspective with his, uh, with his percentages, but um, they haven't started him yet. He hasn't even started a single game in his professional career. He's come off the bench every time. And you can argue that's probably a pretty good, um, pretty good indication. And don't worry, Chad, we're going to get to you in just a second because I got your boy coming up. But at number three, we got Tyrese Halliburton from the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, Tyrese Halliburton. A lot of guys didn't, a lot of people don't expect him to be up here, but he's, he's showing some numbers. He's got 12.1 point, 12.1 points per game. Easy for me to say 2.7 rebounds per game and 5.3 assists per game really showing over there in Sacktown that he could be a contributing member of that team. And number two, boy, uh, or your boy, Chad, is James Wiseman from the Golden State Warriors. He's averaging 10.9 points per game, 6.1 rebounds per game, 1.5 blocks per game. You can maybe argue that after this game, depending on how James Wiseman plays in these next few, he might jump up. You know, This is going to be a really close race. It's going to remind me of this, maybe not to the extent of the numbers, because I don't think they'll drop the same numbers, but it's going to remind me of Luka and Trey Young a lot. Um how are I, and I know how you, you've told me how you feel about him already, but tell everybody at home, how are you feeling about James Wiseman? When are you buying his jersey? And when are you going to write him <laughs> the love letter? You know, I don't, you know, I don't buy jerseys. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I have a hard and fast rule. Um, I don't, I don't buy jerseys, but if I were to buy one, Wiseman would be right there, but I, I he's not, he's not the guy who look. And at this point, I, I, I can crunch numbers and look at numbers, but I go by, especially early on, like the eye test. That's That for me, especially with rookies, is how I evaluate. So in all of this, I love James Wiseman. I think he is, he is an absolute and complete total fit for what we're going to do. 
he's shown range. He can step out and shoot threes, and he's not afraid to do it. He speaks Chinese. He meditates three times a day. He fits into what the Warriors are as a cult of personality. He he is he is a Steve Kerr type guy. So great pick for the Warriors. They did not miss on that. So not to mention getting Draymond Green back has helped us tremendously. He is a far greater asset when it comes to all of the stuff that we've talked about, teammate stuff. Draymond being back in our rotation has changed the way the Warriors played. If you've watched any of the Warriors at all this season, if if you don't understand basketball, watch the contributions of a guy like Draymond Green and what it means to the growth of a guy like James Wiseman, because you can tell clearly he's in James Wiseman's ear and he is pushing him and showing him and making him better. That's, that's like, to me, I, I, I love Draymond with, if I were to buy a, a Jersey, it, it would be Draymond ahead of him, but you know, I, I, I digress. We're talking about rookies and on this rookie chart list right now in, on iTest alone, it's Tyrese Halliburton. That's the guy who I look at and I'm like, wow, that guy, that guy's got some serious, serious ability, serious, serious skill. And Sacramento's gonna have to do something because they've got redundancy at that position. So they're gonna have to find a way to move parts and and you know have some leadership and and have some some real foresight going forward and because that kid right there he slipped down the board there was a lot of people that thought the warriors might move up or down to try and get him because of his ability he's got a funky looking release on his j but that dude he's seriously he checks all the boxes my prohibitive favorite right now for rookie of the year is tyrese halbert second would be the kid in chicago and I, I'm 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 with your boy who's not listening, but that kid, man, talk about surprise! I was surprised that they drafted him that early. You know, he wasn't projected to be that high a pick, but damn it, if he doesn't do all kinds of other little things to help his team, he's he's he, I'm I'm very impressed. So one Halliburton, two Williams, three Wiseman. Uh, Four, Lamelo. Five, uh, the kid in Minnesota. Um, I, I'm I'm still not sold on on the overall effort, but I think Minnesota's got a problem with their overall approach and their DNA. They're going to have to figure out how they play and whether they want to keep Carl Anthony Towns and if he's a guy who wants to be a teammate, because he's another one of those guys who appears to me to be, and I'm sorry, you know, for all of his loss and the struggles that he's had off the court with his family and stuff, but just doesn't appear to me to be a guy who wants to be a teammate and, or make other guys better. Those, those are the guys that, that I look for. Those are the guys that, change change your team change your culture change your trajectory that make you better and those those three guys lamello is a guy who needs to learn how to shoot better 
once he can do that, then he can become the visionary passer that he is and creator that he is. But you can't, you, you, unless you're Magic Johnson, you, you don't, you can't, and it took what Magic a while to, to learn and develop his jump shot. And then he became a pretty good jump shooter, not jump shooter, more like a set shooter, but he was at least viable when left open. Right now, Lamelo is not that guy. He's he he's you know uh, like his brother, still streaky shooter. You know, a guy who one night is going to go five for seven from deep. Next night he's going to go one for nine. You know, you don't you don't know what you're getting in in that. So to 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 open up your ability to pass, you have to be a threat to shoot from deep. So then you can put it on the the floor and you can go by guys and then create shots for others. He doesn't have that yet. Not questioning his talent, not questioning his, he is a far, I mean, he's, he's got, look, if, if, if you morph Lonzo and LaMelo together, you would have an unbelievable player. LaMelo's got to learn how to shoot it better. He's got to learn how to defend a little better. And he's going to have to just, it's going to be pay. It's going to have to be patience with him. But you know, the Hornets aren't aren't very good, <laughs> and they haven't been very good. And they haven't developed talent very well. For all of Jordan's greatness, that's not his strength. He's not done a great job in developing his his his. T- he sells tickets, but the team's not very good. So they're going to. They, Scary Terry has been a far better player than than has Lamelo. So they're going to have decisions to make. They're going to have to figure out what direction they're going to go. It, it's going to be Lamelo's team going forward, no no question, because of his upside. But at the moment, I would put Halliburton, Williams, Wiseman, Lamelo. That would be my ranking. I don't know if um, I mean it's a fair it's a fair ranking. Uh, I'm not I'm not mad at your ranking at all. I, I think by Thanks. the end of the season, Lamelo still ends up rookie of the year. Um, I think maybe this is just one thing I've noticed about Lamelo. He loves to pass and he loves to make those flashy passes. And I, I feel once he really steps back I, I don't think he should pass less I think if once he starts making more meaningful passes and gets those the, the shot is very important does he have time to develop the shot of course the, the look the, the kid just got his first triple double recently youngest player in NBA history to get a triple double ever the, the, that's crazy just to think about but he he is and he was and that means jack shit to me I you know it's fair I, I'm 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 not trying to diminish your point because it is a solid point. It is an accomplishment, but right. at the same time, again, if you look at overall contribution, right? I I just don't know. I don't know right now, and, and this could all change. And I'm not. I'm. I have to quantify because it's in the moment. Tyrese Halliburton is the rookie of the year. And that's fair. And and what what I was going to say is 
even though he's gotten this triple double at such a young age, we saw it with Russ and you know, with Russell Westbrook. And Westbrook got his fair share of criticism for the triple doubles, whether he was stat padding or whatever. I was just happy to live through that era as an OKC fan and as a Russell Westbrook guy at the time. But until a shot is developed, triple doubles mean nothing if you're not winning and the triple doubles aren't meaningful to your team. While it's a cool stat and while it's cool to put on paper, it's the same with anybody. LeBron James, it's a, it's a big deal when he gets triple doubles because he quantifies triple doubles or he equates triple doubles with winning. Guy's a winner. But if you're getting if you're getting triple doubles, triple doubles, triple doubles, and we even saw a little bit of a flash of that of leadership with Russell Westbrook when he hit a few game winners with the OKC Thunder after Durant left, so on and so forth. Triple doubles, you're right, don't mean anything unless you can shoot and unless you can be a leader of a team. You have to do everything on, on a team like this because unfortunately, that that's why they drafted you. You're going to be the guy. And eventually, Gordon Hayward won't be there. Eventually, these guys won't be there. But you got to look at these guys. Look, if I'm LaMelo, I'm looking at the younger guys on the team when I'm the primary ball handler, and I'm, I'm forming some kind of chemistry and some kind of bond with them. Me and P.J. Washington, look, buddy, we're about to be best friends. We're never going – I'm, right. go, I'm going exactly to coach. Right. Yeah, I'm going to coach, and I'm saying, look, coach, if I'm on the floor, I want P.J. on the floor with me. If I'm playing 20 minutes and he's playing 20 minutes, we're playing those 20 minutes together. We have to develop this chemistry now. So that way in five years, we're, we're the next big thing because PJ Washington, I love PJ Washington, man. He's a big that can stretch the floor. Dude can play. He can. He, he, he's, he's one of those guys who slipped under the radar and now is looking like, and, and I, to, to your other point, you know, Gordon Hayward is, damn, did I, I maybe I was wrong. I don't know. I He's mean, playing I'm well. Like, I'm looking at him going, Jesus, I, maybe he knew something I didn't. I mean, because that guy looks rejuvenated. He looks like he's ready to play. He looks like he wants to be a part of a winner. But I just don't know that that's the environment. I don't know that Charlotte is the place to create a culture of winning. I just don't. They sell tickets. They are exciting. They're never make the playoffs they just have a bunch of guys that you like to watch but you know when are they going to win at what point are they going to put it all together and have like that moment where you go okay now i understand what you were trying to do you were building toward this you were you were you know accruing assets you were figuring it i mean right now they're they're a bunch of fun pieces to watch but they don't, they don't create results. No, I agree. And um, one, one thing that I, I will say is I'm excited uh, whether or not they become big time winners or not. Um, I'm, I'm excited for the future. Now, last thing we're going to jump into Chad and I, I did have a lot of stats, but I'm just, I, I'm going to quickly run through the, I'm going to quickly run through these names because now we're jumping from rookie of the year race. We're going to talk about MVP race. Let's talk about this. NBA, this is according to NBA.com, again, has these five players ranked. And we're going to go from number five to number one. And I mostly just want your opinion on who you actually think should be the MVP. You don't necessarily have to rank, but if you want to, go ahead. Number five, we have Steph Curry. Number four is Joel Embiid. Number three is Paul George, who is kind of shutting up a lot of people, you know. Number two is Luca, And number one is LeBron James. 
let's address that. LeBron James, 24, 24.2 points per game, 8.6 rebounds, 7.9 assists, one steal per game. Chad, my main question, is LeBron James the MVP of the league so far? Yes, of course he is. He's been the MVP of the league for like, what, 18 years? I mean, the, he should, he should have at least 10. It hasn't changed. It doesn't change. I'm sorry, this guy gets so much heat. He gets so much crap. He gets torn down for having lost in championships. And he's, he's played in 10. You know, it, it's a constant to me um, indication of like the, the gotcha now society we live in, the culture of now. Uh, yes, he's the MVP. Steph is second. Doncic is third. Sorry, Paul George, you're going to have to do a lot more to prove to me that that's exactly who you are because I've seen enough tape to know that this looks to me like a fugazi. Yeah, we see so, it's a fugazi. Yeah, we've seen this before. We've seen this yeah. before from PG, and he's had seasons. He did have that one MVP caliber season where he didn't win it, but I forget who won it over him. It was either James Harden or Westbrook, I think. Um, no, but he, he's 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 having a nice start to his season. But, I mean, to put him ahead of Steph, come on. Jesus, are you serious? I mean, seriously, come on, no. Yeah, Steph's no. almost at 30 points per game. That's um, not possible. And that, you're, you're, not watching, you're not play. watching the action. No, I agree. I, I don't think – if I had to rank, it's 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 LeBron. It's I, – I have Lucas second, so I think we're switching those two. It's LeBron, Lucas, Steph – Paul George, Joel, and maybe you can flip Joel. I put Joel. I would. I would put Joel ahead. Yeah, because Joel is almost at 12, uh, 12 rebounds per game and almost at two blocks per game. He's making a, would, he's making yeah. a a case for defensive player of the year right now. <laughs> yeah, Joel is. Joel is, has looks like he gives a damn about the season. Like he wants to be a teammate. Philly has come out hot. They have a plan. They look like. Maybe I'm wrong about Maury. I don't know. But I can tell you, Joel Embiid is third. You know, fourth, third or fourth. Uh, I, I mean, LeBron, Steph, Joel Embiid, Doncic, Paul George. It, uh, it's way too early for me to commit to that. Right. So LeBron is your MVP. LeBron is my MVP. Um, I'm still saying LaMelo for rookie of the year. You're saying Tyrese Halliburton. Is there anything that you would like to say, Chad, uh, before we get out of here for the night? I got to tell you, I'm having a very good time watching this NBA season. It's been a nice start. You know, even with the COVID situation, all of the stuff that is forcing us to watch canceled games now and, and amended rosters and all of these teams having to figure out how to put teams on the floor. I'm, I am excited. This is a so far super exciting start to the NBA season. In my opinion, I'm, I'm, I can't wait for more. I want more. I, I wish I could have more games to watch every night. I agree. I think, it, I think for what I expected, um, it's, it's 
it's going very well. Um, I I hope that they take their time with allowing fans into the arenas because I, I, I don't know. I just don't think that that's something you really need to rush. Uh, I think it's going well. I thought the bubble was a huge success, even though I understand that it was a huge stress on the players. Um, I, I just I want the NBA to succeed. I want I want the finals to um, to go. I want the whole season and the finals to go as planned. We've already cut the the season down. What was it? Ten games. Um, I want to see everyone play. I want to see everyone thrive, and I want to see everyone be healthy and safe. And I just want I just want a good NBA season. I'm just happy that basketball is here. I'm happy that we didn't have a long break. I'm happy that we got basketball back so soon. Um, but um, I agree. I agree. Also, I, I, I think it's I think it's set up to, to succeed. I think the 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 reason you're seeing um, Atlanta, and I think you'll probably see more teams follow suit, forcing fans into the game is because you have a collective bargaining agreement that has been spiraling upward out of control and creating these contracts that give the excitement to the game and have created opportunities for for teams to create little mini dynasties and and we need those things in the NBA but without the fans without this, the the revenue that comes with having those fans in the stands, it kind of handcuffs their opportunity to continue to move that number up. So that's, I think, probably the modus operandi in having those fans in the seats. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm cautious, first, optimistic, hopeful, but let's 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 get through the season let's make this work let's not let's not cut off our nose to spite our face let's make sure that what we get at the end of the season if we have to even go back to the bubble i mean that's the way it goes as long as we get and these guys are smart enough to understand this is their livelihood they're not gonna they're not gonna sacrifice their their money to you know i mean if it means they have to bubble up they're gonna do it they'll they'll do it but let's let's do everything we can right now because we're in that 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 cautious zone if we do everything right now by the time the end of the season comes in june we could be in a place where there's enough fans in the stands to where next year the cba has got the money churning so i'm hopeful we can recognize that i'm hopeful that we understand that and can understand what short-term sacrifice really means that's that's my i'm holding on to that hope i agree and i'm just excited i'm excited for um i'm excited to see whether lebron is able to submit his legacy even further win another ring this year I'm, I'm i'm excited to see if someone else steps up let's see if Giannis can finally make it to a championship after these last few years of disappointment um, and I'm just excited for basketball altogether. So we'll see what happens. Um, Chad, you know what else I'm excited for? Can you guess? It's not basketball related, but can you guess? You're excited probably for that Green Bay Packers team. Green Bay Packers, baby. Green Bay Packers playing the Los Angeles Rams this weekend. 
Uh, for those of you who don't know, I am a huge Green Bay Packers fan. Uh, How did I, I will guess be... that? How did I know? It's like you know me. It's like you're one of my closest friends or something. I don't know. I'll be in full Packers gear for the game. I'll be watching for sure. Well, whose jersey um, are you going to have on? Uh, my boy A-Rod, baby. Going to have Aaron Rodgers on. All right. I'll Good. be in my Aaron Rodgers jersey. I'll be in my Green Bay Packers PJs. I'll be in my um, I'll be in my nice uh, green and yellow New Balance shoes with my Green Bay Packers. Give me a score on. on that game. Come on, uh, Packers. Um, I I have a feeling for some reason the Rams are going to make it interesting until about the halfway through the third. I'll say Packers thirty four, Rams twenty four. Okay, I, I I think you're you're underselling your squad on that. You think more? Yeah, I, I just don't know. I, I mean, Goff just had a, a thumb surgery, and the yeah, backup quarterback, I, I guess I'm the backup like, quarterback, almost got his head taken off last weekend. I mean, I, I I don't I don't know how even with that Rams defense that is for real. I just don't know what they do with Devontae Adams. I mean, how how long can Jalen Ramsey stay on him I don't know I mean right. if he does I mean it, hey look I'm just hoping that the universe sees me being humble and they don't let Aaron Aaron Donald right. sack Aaron Rodgers <laughs> 10 times you know uh, look we, we have two all pros on our offensive line we still have Devontae Your Adams by the way hey, by the way Chad I have to tell you you remember uh and and then we'll leave it off here because we've already gone long but you remember I was not an Aaron Jones fan it breaks my heart because I have fallen in love with Aaron Jones and he's probably going to be gone next season because we I don't think we can afford to pay him. Um, but I he's love Aaron Jones nice so much, season, man. Dude. Love he's Aaron Jones. Nice, nice season. He is he's done for you the things that you needed him to do to make Aaron Rodgers available to have you know depreciating assets as skill position players around him not named Devonte Adams. Yeah. Named. You guys, you guys are still the prohibitive favorite. In my opinion, I'm still going to stay. I'm, I'm as I'm, as I called it, I'm, I'm Packers bills, Super Bowl. I would love to see that. I, I would, I would really, I would love to see Packers bills. I would love to see Packers anybody if I'm being hundred percent Frank, but Packers chiefs would be cool. Just too. be a hundred percent Casey. Hey, <laughs> Hey, look, Packers all the way, baby. We're gonna beat. We're gonna beat the Rams 34-24. Um, then we're we're gonna beat the Saints in the NFC Championship game, twenty-eight to twenty-one. Um, wow! And then we're you gonna got, you beat got numbers on. You got advanced metric numbers. I like and it. And then we're gonna beat the Chiefs. Uh, it's gonna be a shootout. We're gonna beat them forty-two to thirty-five in the Super Bowl. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I liked it. I liked that you've already thought this out. And then Aaron Rodgers will be my MVP on the season. He'll be the Super Bowl MVP. And I Aaron think Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. He is. It, and it, and it, the it, only it, other it, question it somebody else is just a crime. The only other person that could have made a, a, a you know, a knock at it was uh, Derek Henry. And with them going out Derek in the first Henry round, is the only other. I agree. Yeah. Aaron Donald, third. Um, and uh, you have my word here, Chad. I was telling you, you know, I said in previous pod that I think after this contract, Aaron Rodgers is done. I think if they win a Super Bowl this year, he, he falls back in love with the game and signs a new deal. And for how long? 
Um, he is 37. He's going to be 38 soon. I think he plays till he's at least 41. And then so he and, signs up. He signs a four-year deal and then pieces out. Yeah, and I, I think there will be some kind of incentives in there where there's some kind of like clause, kind of what Brett Favre did with the Vikings, like right there at the end, um, where he was able to kind of like leave a little early if he wanted to. But I, I think that's kind of what's going to happen. Yeah, I, um, I I'd be fine with that. I look I, look as a Chico guy. I went to Chico State. Uh, I went, I was a Butte. I went to Butte. That's where, you know, your boy went. Yeah. I'm, 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 uh, an A-Rod guy, even though he's a surly cuss, I, I, <laughs> I like him. He's a, he's, he's my type of leader. He's, uh, he's a guy who makes no excuses for anything that happens and continues to push forward and make his team better regardless and that to me is an admirable trait and what you need as the overall leader of your organization the dude the, the dude is brilliant and i'm i'm pulling for you guys i'll be honest i'm i'm at this point i've got no skin in the game obviously my niners aren't relevant right so he's a bay area kid i'm pulling for him Devontae adams went to fresno state area kid i'm i am i'm like fully in on your boys well hey hopefully and I, and and then we'll leave it off on this hopefully um if, if you know if covid decides to stop being a thing by next football season um mark you heard it here first i'm flying to lambo for a packers game it's on it's on my bucket list i'm going to cross it off so. if that happens if that happens if 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 we get to that place i'm going with you Absolutely, one hundred freaking percent, and we'll we'll vlog from there too. Absolutely, that that is on my bucket list. Oh yeah, that, but we oh, we yeah. gotta we gotta do it when it's snowing. I want to go there. When oh it's yeah, snowing. no other way. I want tundra. No other way. Yeah, I want to be miserable while I'm sitting there in, yes. on one of the greatest days of my life. Yes, I I, I want it to be awful and beautiful <laughs> yes. and perfect. And because you know what, you, you you'll never forget it for the rest of your life. That's right. All right, Chad, this has been Jackson and the Kid. Um, look, great episode. We had a lot to hit. Um, I'm sure by next week we'll have a lot more to hit. Um, go check us out on Spotify. Drop a like. Download the episode if you like us that much. And make sure to go check out the Tailgate Kings on Facebook. Chad, say something to the people to let them know we're out. We are grateful to you. Thank you for being a part of what we do. We love you check in next time we're going to keep informing you as much as we can give us some feedback be a part of this we want you to be a part of what we're doing please absolutely all right so for jackson and the kid i am the kid that was jackson we are signing off we'll catch you guys next week um much love peace and bacon grease uh, go Pat Go. We'll catch you guys later.